This is Generation Education. Join educator Ruth Baynott Mondays at 11 a.m. as she explores modern parenting, physical, emotional and social development from pregnancy through adulthood. Mondays at 11 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. We've just been chatting all about vision and eye care. Such a fascinating talk. And that leads us into all the different child, early childhood developmental milestones. And I've got with me this morning, Timur Lifshitz, who's going to be chatting more about the childhood developmental milestones. Good morning, Timur. Thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Timur, can you share just a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So my name is Timur. I'm a registered nurse midwife and I'm a certified lactation consultant. Um, I have got four children and I'm currently breastfeeding my seven-month-old twins. So my passion lies in my antenatal care, birth, postpartum, breastfeeding, and especially child growth and development. Wow, that's amazing. When talking about milestones, I want to just ask you, can you actually explain what are milestones? So milestones are certain aspects that children are supposed to reach in terms of their development at certain times. So we are basically watching them to see, are they reaching it at those specific times or is there a delay? So that we are able to assess where they are and if there's anything that needs to be addressed early on to arrange to fix it. Right, right. And we often hear where the babies are categorized zero to three months, six to nine months. What is the reason for that? Milestone developments will kind of go in between the different groups. So it allows us to look to see if they are reaching it or otherwise to come back at the next assessment to see if they are reaching it. Oftentimes, it's easier to group them in, let's say, your zero to three, three to six, because we can schedule appointments for those times. And it makes it a little bit easier than saying, let's say, between four to seven months. Right. Um, pediatricians oftentimes will book appointments for, let's say, six months and one year. And that's where it's easy to slot these types of assessments in. And we hear so often about children and their milestones and as most parents know there are the ones that are common I don't know if that's really a good word to use but things like rolling sitting crawling can we just go through those more well-known common milestones so the ones that parents mostly look for are what we call our gross motor milestones your big movements there are also more fine motor and your language like your expressive which is what they're saying and receptive which is what they're hearing um, and understanding and as well as your activities of daily living so most of the parents will focus on your gross motor milestones and those usually start with um, baby lying on the tummy. So your tummy time has always been told is super important. So that's where we start all fussing that when baby's lying on the stomach, he or she will push up with the arms and get higher and higher. We then move on to rolling. They oftentimes will stand on their legs with support and becoming more, more firm and strong there. We look at sitting, we look at crawling, we see that they can be pulled to stand, um, so they'll kind of like cruise around the furniture. We look at walking, and especially in terms of walking, we also look that there's a decrease in the amount of falls, which shows that they're becoming more adept at that milestone. Right, right, and developing core strength and leg strength and everything. There are obviously a lot of other milestones that you as a professional 
as a person that works with it every day is going to look for that you might not even necessarily mention to the parent. Are there some that maybe a parent can look out for that are perhaps maybe really cute or something that's really fun or something just that's not the norm? So um, a lot of parents don't know, but babies, for example, can crawl from birth. So that's what we call the breast crawl. So for example, once baby's born, you can put your baby on your tummy. So often obviously difficult if you've had a cesarean section, but you can put baby on the tummy and they follow that linear negro that's become darkened over your tummy. They oh, follow wow. that line like a pirate to the breast. So where the areola has also darkened and then they literally follow the map to get to the breast. <laughs> now moms know why they get that. <laughs> exactly. So your body becomes like a pirate map in essence. <laughs> So, yeah, so it's quite a nice one. Um, Also, babies, we often check like a stepping reflex with them. So from birth, you can actually stand them up onto a firm surface and they'll kind of like move um, their feet as if they're walking. They also tend to have a grasp reflex. So you can put like a pen in their hand and they should hold the pen and you can put different objects in. So those are quite nice ones that um, parents can try for themselves. There's also such a sweet one, it's um, like your Babinski reflex. So what it means is that if you have baby's foot and you use your fingernail and you just rub it from the top up, baby will open the toes and then close it over your fingers. Oh, so sweet. And also, what about grabbing the feet and the toes? I think that's also one that when they grab with two hands, or am I wrong? That's not yes, one example. Yes, and sometimes... Yeah, they'll suck on their toes as well, depending on their flexibility. We usually see that at around seven months. Oh, so, so sweet. So and sweet. My boys are doing that currently. Cute. And I read somewhere also about if you stick your tongue out with a small baby, often they'll also respond and t- stick their tongue out. So they might. It's more a um, kind of like a connection thing. So like with your smiling, where they start to imitate you. Oh, sweet. Such a sweet age. I wanted to ask you, reflexes and milestones, are they pretty much the same thing or are they something that's different? And with reflexes, is it something that stays or it's something that, you know, they only do for a short while and then disappears? So uh, it's very interesting that your reflexes as part of milestone developments will integrate into your system. So they'll kind of stop doing that um, or or become adept with it. Some reflexes do disappear. So for example, that startle reflex or that moral reflex that they do, which basically helps to keep them awake. It helps to prevent sudden infant death syndrome, keep babies breathing, wake up to feed. So that appears at birth and will usually have integrated by, by two to four months. Um, some reflex, however, don't disappear. So for example, your gag reflex, we still have a gag reflex. So in some cases, that would not be a milestone development. Right, right. Sure, but it is, it's so fascinating. And just knowing all of this stuff, it's, it's really interesting. I wanted to ask you, we've discussed the milestones. And yes, we do know that you're supposed to reach this milestone by X time or Y time. When should a parent start to be concerned if let's say their child isn't reaching that textbook milestone time? Like for example, crawling, they might only crawl a bit later or walking or sitting. 
So basically, what we look for is that all babies' brains develop in general at the same time. So if your baby was born prematurely, we know that those milestones will be delayed. We actually look at up to two years of a delay in terms of your milestone developments and what they should be doing. So in that case, we know that we would have to give extra time to cover for that milestone. So it would not yet be something that we would worry about unless that time has passed. In essence, what we would give is a three-month leeway Either way, some babies do things early on, some things will do things later. Um, but basically, we expect it within a certain time frame. If we see after three months of which we've already raised a flag at that first appointment, we can then relook at it. If they're still not doing it, then we need to basically start with our activities to try and incorporate certain aspects, so like games that you can play with baby. Um, so, for example, let's say with rolling, you could put a toy just out of reach that they would have to yeah. kind of like go to you know, as they have to turn to their side. Um, and then if they're still not, then I usually would refer early on to one of the other multidisciplinary teams, like your OT, for example, um, just to assist further with them. That right. we're making sure that we're catching it early because we're finding a lot of children, we're only picking it up once they go to school. Yes, yes, yeah. And I, I think also for a first-time mom, you know, it can be so overwhelming and especially when, you know, you follow the book and you read that textbook and that book says baby should be doing this by X time and a week goes by after that date. It can be very overwhelming and daunting for a mom. And I think the important thing is, is for them to know not to actually panic. Absolutely. And it, it always is very stressful, especially because I find a lot of moms don't know what children should be doing at their specific ages. That's why I offer the milestone developmental assessments in order to make sure that this is exactly what they should be doing at this time. And this is what they're not yet doing. These are some activities we can do to start getting things going and otherwise early referral as a result. So you're being proactive instead of not knowing and worrying because you don't know. Right, right. And just chat to us a little bit about your assessments that you do. Sure. So remember we said how the different milestones are would be your gross motor, your fine motor, your receptive and expressive language, and your right. activities of daily living. So we know at the beginning that the babies don't do much. They do have some things that they do. And as they get older, the list gets longer and longer. So what I do is that it's a checklist assessment for the specific ages. So remember how we said we usually group yes. them? So you just start at about three months and then we look at, you know, your three to six, then nine, then 12. And it starts to then move to every six months. I do them up until three years. And we can also recommend toys or activities to then do with them if we see that something is missing. We can also send through the report of what baby isn't quite yet reaching to the pediatrician with mommy's permission so that we can make sure that the whole team is aware and that we're targeting things as a holistic and comprehensive aspect. Yeah, and that's so fantastic. First of all, it, it takes that worry and the stress away from mom. And it's just keeping, as you say, a checklist. It's keeping that, okay, we're on the right track and we're doing the right thing. Absolutely. And at least they can claim it back from medical aid, which also gives moms a lot of reassurance. Huge, huge. Now, as a mom yourself of twins, when it does come to milestones, um, often we know twins, triplets and, you know, multiple birth um, children, I don't know if I said that right, but anyway, um, we know that often they are born prematurely. But besides that, is there anything different or anything in a different way that you have to do when it comes to 
triplets, twins, and so forth? I think it's so important to remember that even though twins, whether they're fraternal or identical or your triplets, they're still separate people. So what that means is that some kids will do things earlier, some things do things a little bit later. So it's important to remember that they won't do it always at the exact same time. And it's okay. They're their own person. Remember that no one in life will ask you specifically, at what age did you roll? What age did you walk? You know, so it's also something just to keep in mind. So it's just that, that they're different people. It is okay if one is doing things sooner than the other. And oftentimes they'll actually learn quite closely together because they're mirroring each other. So if one is doing something, the other will start picking up on it. And then, as you said, that if they are born prematurely, we must remember to give them those extra few weeks so that we know that up until 40 weeks is your normal brain development. So so fascinating. And I think also with twins, often they develop their own little language and their own little way of interacting. Absolutely. And it's so sweet to see how they uh, play with each other as well. So I noticed with my twins, they um, started noticing each other at about 20 weeks old. And it's just been a pleasure to have them together as well. So sweet. I wanted to also ask you, what would be some of the fun, lovely little games that we can do with the babies to promote all those different things? So gross motor, fine motor, sensory Um, every different thing. Can you give us just a few? Obviously, we're not going to sit and discuss every game because we can be here for four hours. (laughs) But just a couple of fun ideas that moms can do with their little ones. First of all, as a lovely interactive way to interact and bond with their baby. And second of all, a way that they can actually promote growth, strengthening and enhance baby. Sure. So um, at the beginning, you know, when baby's quite um, young, let's say at about three months or so, you can play peekaboo. They often love that. It's also looking at object permanence. So they kind of think like, you know, when they're behind something that it's gone and they think it's such fun to see you reappearing from things. Right. And if I can Um, just interrupt you there, actually, that's a very good point you've made Um, with peekaboo. Would that also be a great game to play for that whole when mommy goes away and they start crying and they're missing mommy? Would that be a great game to play to reinforce that mommy does come back? Absolutely. It can definitely work. We must also remember that children at different stages do have um, separation anxiety, which is also something to consider. So those usually pop up at specific months, although some babies obviously are outside the guidelines and it does depend also on their personalities as well. So, but it can, of course, help. Right. And and is it true to say that it's almost a good thing for them to go through separation anxiety because it does help reassure them and help them to grow and feel more confident? Sure. So I think it's all about fostering that independence with babies. And as a Western society, just in general, we want independent babies. But I find the more type of attachment or gentle parenting that you do with your baby, where they have more trust within you, they will then less be likely to have that separation anxiety because they know that you will always be there for them and are giving them that support. Right, right. So then let's go back to the game. So we said peekaboo. What other games can you recommend? 
so depending on ages as well but of course you could put um you can hide a few things under the under like a blanket with just a little bit peeking out and you can ask baby you know where is the book and the baby can try and show you where that book is they also love 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 sensory activities and water play so in the bath time you know you can use the, um the foam you can use uh, bubble baths you can um put little glow sticks in that they can try and reach for your puzzles um you know as they're getting older to start doing puzzles or just separating two different colors together they, that usually works quite nicely mm. you can also stack cups with them and they love banging on pots oh um, sweet yeah, even just like having like a pretend cell phone because they see you on it quite frequently. They also enjoy having their own phone sometimes. Yes, sweetheart. There's a little girl that I actually teach her. She walks around with a toy cell phone and has it by her ear, pretending that she's having long conversations. <laughs> so with the, with the children is to do like your rhyming songs with them or action songs where they can kind of play along with it and do things. You can cheer with them. Um, painting finger painting those are great activities how important is repetition especially in that first year to two years oh for sure so repetition will help to um kind of drum it into their brains that this is what it's supposed to do oftentimes even as adults we find we need a lot of repetition so it kind of starts them off young with it but repetition is great so they don't get bored of specific uh, you know activities if you're mixing it up and reintroduce it throughout right and I think also it will probably once again create almost a sense of security that they know what's coming they know what the game is how it's going to start how it's going to end absolutely and you mentioned about rhyming when you talk about rhyming what would be the importance of that for babies for babies it's more just an oral perspective it's learning new sounds and that some sounds do sound the same um, you know, I see it with my six-year-old daughter as well, where she's learning about, you know, the different rhyming words and all of that. So it can help to prepare them in some aspect um, towards that as well. But um, the rhyming, oftentimes you can do um, like um, with action. So let's say bump and you can bump something and jump. So it'll help to incorporate um, specific movements with words. Right. And that's great because always to do it in 3D reinforces the actual word or the actual shape or color or whatever it is. So you mentioned about sounds, which is actually something um, that is really great to ask you. What different sounds do babies start doing and at what stage are they doing ooh, ah, eh, you know, all of that sort of stuff? So what's so interesting is that with um, baby sounds from birth, and it'll be quite difficult for a very new mom to learn, but as she gets more um, into understanding her baby, they will, their cries will signal different things. So for example, a neh sound, when baby's crying, will usually signal hunger. They can usually start with um, babbling and gurgling and all of that, even from about two months old. Sure. And some babies talk sooner than others, you know, but they'll usually say like dada first. Right. Um, <laughs> because it's easier than mama. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of dads think that they've got one up on us, but it's just because it's easier for baby to say it that way. <laughs> yeah, all right, absolutely. And I suppose that's all also about muscle formation in the mouth and the tongue. And as they get older and stronger, 
figuring out how to coordinate all of that. Sure. And even bringing into it emotion. So the way that they say things can show, but I am super cross at you right now. Or, oh, this is so much fun. Wow. Yes, yes. And so interesting that because when you start to actually learn your baby's language would make it so much easier for the mom, dad, and obviously for baby less frustrating. Absolutely. So oftentimes, especially when um, I talk to moms about, you know, breastfeeding, which can relate oftentimes into the formula feeding side as well, we do discuss the basic aspects of newborn communication so that they can actually understand. And then they say, oh, I didn't realize that baby was showing me these gestures, which means this. And then they can put it together. Gosh, it's so fascinating. And unfortunately, Tamar, we've run out of time. There's so much more I'd love to chat with you about. And I'm definitely going to ask for you to come back again on the show so we can talk about all things baby, all things developmental, and just really delve into it. Thank you so much oh, for joining to. me. Oh, that would Thank be you awesome. so much. Thanks, Timor. <laughs> You're listening to Generation Education, and I'm Ruth Baynard.